brother. It's time for our midday program here on KRVN. And, uh, yeah, so we got the band all here on a Friday as uh, Clay tries to compose himself as he gets ready to go here. Backup uh, baseline guitarist. That's right. Nobody nobody does it better. I think we bring in a harmonica next time. And, yeah, there we go. You can try, you know, kind of make it a little bluesy. I can play the tambourine here in this band. That's just seems like an odd choice, but uh, whatever. All right, so we are here on a Friday, uh, getting ready for the weekend. That's always sort of a busy time. Of course, we get to hear about our climate and see what uh, Al Dutcher has to say. Exactly. If you're a fan of Shaley Peters, today is your day. Twelve nineteen. Shaley sits down with Al to discuss this latest trend: cool, wet weather. For the 1st of August, what type of headline does that mean? And I hope that it doesn't mean cold is just around the corner. It can't. It cannot mean that. It can't mean frosty. We can't say the F word for a couple months yet, at exactly. least. Exactly. Well, and not only that, this is that This is that false, like, oh, yeah, hey, you know, kind of cool down. We'll keep the mosquito, and then we'll get the second Indian summer. Right. There you go. There you so, go. So we're there. Then at 1245, I sit down with UNL's extension ag, uh, water and ag law extension specialist, Dave Aiken, as we discuss everybody's favorite topic property taxes we break down what has happened in 2019 the bills that tried to make it kind of what their shortcomings were why there's hope in 2020 that we'll actually see true reform and then at 117 shaley returns once again as we get an update from fridays in the field all right very good lots of stuff going on and yeah it is there's some pretty good rainfall totals around the solid rainfall total in eastern kansas unfortunately they're looking what nebraska did just mere weeks ago that's rough all right we turn it over to jason jordan Jorgensen, uh, Scott Frost had a press conference yesterday. Did he tell us anything we didn't know? No, other than he's uh, still very excited. Uh, a number of the players were there, too. If you'd like to see video of that, we have it all cut up for you. Very easy to uh, watch and listen to all of that at krvn.com. So our crack video staff down in Lincoln, they were on the site yesterday. Probably a little bit of interest in that. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, they really keep pushing this narrative of... They're in much better shape than they were before. This was the second year going through the strength and training uh, regiment that they have, and that they feel that will uh, you know, lead to better things on the field. We if, will see. If you were a coach, would you rather be Scott Frost's shoes or Josh Lynn's shoes as far as underrated, maybe a little overrated coming in? I'd rather be the lopers being sure. underrated. So Makes sense. We'll see. You know, and the Huskers will start the year ranked 26 in the coaches' preseason top 25. Five teams from the Big Ten are ranked wow. in the top 25. So it just goes to show you the depth in the league. And uh, I did not know this, but Clemson, they're number one. That's the first time they've ever been number one in the preseason poll with all the teams they've had over the years. Hmm. Even in the cheating years of Danny Ford when they robbed that Orange Bowl title from the Huskers, yeah. they never started a year number one where is homer jordan anyway anymore so all right <laughs> thanks jason we'll listen more we got uh, bob rogan here stocks down again stocks are sliding today on trade worries they are on track for their worst drop since may as traders continue to take cover following president trump's latest escalation of his trade war with china in the meantime hiring is slowing but still pretty healthy uh, employers showed their uh, slowed their hiring in july but added a still healthy 164,000 jobs to the economy. So those are a couple of the stories we're watching. All right, that's all coming up on Midday. 
Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. We have a little recovery in these grain and soybeans. Time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. Paul Perkins in studio now, and one of the things you notice as you walk out is it's very wet, and in some areas it's really wet, right? Exactly, yeah. Dew points right now in the upper 60s to low 70s, and the actual air temperatures in the low to mid 70s, so we're very close to saturation. Right now we do have some strong thunderstorms continuing to move through portions of central Nebraska, but they're not moving very fast Uh uh, about a few hours ago, some thunderstorms were to the north of Taylor. They're now to the south of Taylor, and we now have a flash flood warning that's in effect for northwestern Valley County, and this is until 5.30 this afternoon. Uh, some thunderstorms have produced heavy rain across the area, and radar estimates that nearly two inches of rain have fallen already. Flash flooding expected to begin shortly, and the storm has had a pr- history of producing over three inches of rain in less than an hour near the Burwell area. So once again, this is a flash flood warning for northwestern Valley County until 5.30. It does include the city of Ord, also Elyria, and Fort Hearts of State Park. Additional rainfall of one to two inches is possible in that area. Well, and you look at that, and they, they say three inches fell there kind of to the south, and that's a that's a good-sized storm that you mentioned to the south of Taylor that's yeah. still coming their way. Yeah, very strong uh, thunderstorm cell there, and all of this moving off towards the east and southeast. Most of the precipitation in central Nebraska right now from about south of Taylor down through the Ord area to just uh, through the Greeley area and in between Cedar Rapids and Fullerton, but not moving a whole lot, maybe a little bit of light rain centered around the St. Paul area. Also watching some showers and thunderstorms that haven't moved a whole lot also towards Campbell, Franklin, and Red Cloud down into Mankato and Smith Center, Kansas. Also Belleville and Concordia, that activity moving off towards the east and southeast. Kind of a lot of haves and have-nots right now as far as the rainfall totals go. Uh, some people not getting any rain, but uh, many areas seeing about one to three inches, especially in eastern areas of central Nebraska. Dry as a bone in Dawson County. Exactly, and many other areas to the west. Thunderstorms do remain possible, though, through mainly tomorrow morning as an area of low pressure tracks from southern Kansas into Oklahoma. It's slowly moving out towards the east and southeast due to that storm's slow movement and some heavy rain flooding will continue to be an issue, especially in central and eastern areas of Kansas where a lot of rain has fallen, especially to the south of Concordia. Over the la- Overnight, we saw about three to eight inches of rain in many areas. We will see that better chance for thunderstorms today and tonight over central and eastern areas, the lesser chances as you head towards the west. Most of our temperatures right now in the low and mid-70s. We will see skies become sunny to partly cloudy by tomorrow afternoon into Sunday with some high-pressure pushes in from the north, and this area of low pressure moves off towards the east and southeast. Our temperatures for Sunday into Thursday of next week looking to be seasonal to cooler than normal. Some on-off-and-on thunderstorm chances for Monday night through at least Thursday, that will start to arrive thanks to some moisture pooling along a stationary front that will be draped across Nebraska, and that will keep that chance for some isolated to scattered thunderstorms going. One forecast model is indicating that potential for total rainfall between 1 and 2 inches with that front, especially right near the uh, front where it's draped across the area. The latest long-term forecast indicates Nebraska and Kansas temperatures will be mostly seasonal to slightly warmer than normal for Wednesday through the 15th of August. That better chance of warmer than normal temperatures over Kansas, closer to a ridge of high pressure over the southern plains. Above normal rainfall is likely for Sunday through the 15th for both Nebraska and Kansas. In the outlook for the month of August, Nebraska and Kansas likely to be cooler than normal and wetter than normal. 
Key weather factors driving the market include a dry Midwest forecast and continued favorable weather in Russia. Scattered showers will affect the eastern plains and upper Midwest the next several days. Little or no rain will fall across the lower Midwest and southern high plains. The Midwest will remain very dry through the next week. The dry weather is threatening to turn into a flash drought and will bring new stress into a crop season already dealing with extensive planting delays. The least amount of U.S. corn has reached the soaking stage and the fewest soybeans have begun to bloom since 1996. Seasonal to below normal temperatures will ease some of that dryness. Heavy rain and flooding will continue in the southern plains, especially in eastern Kansas and eastern Oklahoma. Western areas of the southern plains are dry right now with very warm to hot temperatures that are stressing crops and livestock. The northern plains crop areas have generally favorable crop conditions. Seasonal to below normal temperatures, though, will hinder that crop development. The corn progress already well behind average because of extensive planting delays this last spring. Black Sea region continues to benefit from seasonal to below normal temperatures for the fourth straight week. Most of eastern Russia crop areas have either received useful rain or expect rain over the next week. Some of western Russia, though, has had their crop prospects lower due to a hot and dry weather pattern earlier on this summer. So as we extend it out, it looks like, uh, as you mentioned, it's going to be a little wetter, a little cooler, too. Yeah, next week it does have the potential right now to be somewhat unsettled, especially if the stationary front does set up across the area, and then we see numerous disturbances right along with it, and that could trigger, of course, those scattered thunderstorms. And also we're looking at some dew points into the 60s, so it looks like that humidity will stay in there and, of course, keep those thunderstorms threat for thunderstorms going too all right very good well thank you paul i appreciate it uh, where do you go to check in on your weather sir krvn.com it's time again this week to check in with nebraska extension agricultural climatologist al dutcher i'm shaley peters on the rural radio network al a cooler week again here across much of the state and an overcast start to our weekend what can we expect weather-wise headed into the weekend and next week well i think the biggest issue right now is the precipitation event that's supposed to be projected for today and whether or not this is come going to come to fruition of course we've seen some of that heavier precipitation across portions of south central nebraska and particularly north central kansas a um, little bit farther to the south than was initially projected. We thought we'd see more of that up into central Nebraska and then moving toward the southeast, toward uh, extreme eastern Kansas. So that farther de- the further southward depiction there is, has me a little bit worried about how the remainder of this day is going to be in terms of precip. But by all accounts, we should still see some decent precipitation, at least in portions of south, central, east, central, and and uh, southeastern Nebraska and the closer you are to the Kansas border most likely the heavier the precipitation unfortunately as you go to the north of there it looks like we're going to see a sharp cutoff and that could even be the case in extreme eastern Nebraska there'll be a sharp cutoff as most of these uh, systems are heading toward the southeast so as that ridge how it moves so goes our flow and it looks like the best opportunity would it be over the next 24 hours and unfortunately i think the area that has been currently put into the drought monitor is abnormally dry that would be that area to the north of omaha essentially east of columbus over to the west point area and then south of sioux city that area has been persistently dry now and we're marking into three distinct periods the 30 the 60 and the 90 day period all show dry with the last 45 days being particularly dry and we've had off and on stress reports in that region now for the better part of three weeks so you know with the, with the drought monitor a lot of times they're a little bit slow 
in terms of catching up. And generally, I always figure that if you show abnormally dry conditions, by the time it shows up in their indices, you're basically moving on to the next category. So I suspect we're seeing some drought conditions, especially in the late planted crops. And unfortunately, as we go forward in time, it looks like we're going to be persisting with the trough in the eastern United States, the west, the western U.S. ridge and the southern Rockies ridge don't really appear to move much over this next few days. So the more persistent warmth will be in the southwest and southern panhandle, much cooler to the northeast. It looks like we will average below normal temperatures, especially northeast and then the northern half of east central Nebraska. And the remainder of the state east of the panhandle really is going to boil down to where this ridge is. So right now, the latest models keep seeing a persistent northwest flow through the middle of next week before another system tops over top of that ridge and beats it down creates a zonal flow. That means that as we get this system that goes by us uh, over the next 24 hours, once that passes, we're probably going to get a day, day and a half of decent weather before we start to watch a little system moving around the periphery of the ridge, and that could impact northern and eastern Nebraska more so than the western part of the state. And then we see as that as that uh, ridge flattens out, that's going to allow some moisture to move toward the east. So there is an opportunity for at least the central eastern Corn Belt to see some decent moisture, nothing exceptional, but they've been hurting for moisture, and so this is probably their best opportunity for significant moisture before that trough reforms back in and digs southward, bringing much cooler air back into the eastern Corn Belt. So they're looking at well below normal temperatures over this next 10 to 14 day period, and that's part of the country that can at least afford it. Thanks, Al. It's Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. It is time for us to take a look at sports here on this Friday. Jason Jorgensen in studio with us. And uh, big press conference yesterday is uh, kind of just the beginning of things. Nothing we didn't really know, but kind of gets things kicked off. Yep, fall camp is underway for Division One football teams. Huskers will begin things as one of the favorites to win the Big Ten West. Head coach Scott Frost says he's seen some good signs this Summer from the team, a defensive end, Ben Stilley, also feels the Huskers improved a lot this offseason. Every summer we've been here, we put in a lot of work. Um, I think this summer, just we were way ahead of where we were um, last summer as far as um, the amount of weight we were able to, able to move in the weight room and as far as knowing what we were doing um, and what Coach uh, Duvall wanted in the weight room and technique and stuff like that. So um, we were just ahead from that standpoint of the learning curve, and we were able, able to just push that further. And you will begin the year ranked 26th in the coaches' preseason top 25 rankings of note. Five other Big Ten teams are ranked. And Clemson is the number one team in the USA Today preseason coaches poll for the first time, followed up by Alabama, of course, at number two. Uh, the defending champion Tigers received 59 of a possible 65 first-place votes. People aren't going to want to hear this, but when it's all said and done, It'll probably be Clemson and Alabama again playing in the national title game. It, it would be, a, I think, it would be a major upset if it wasn't. Probably those two programs are just light years away, you know, from everyone else. Do you got a rolling? Do you remember that? I don't remember which bowl game it was, but it was Dabo Sweeney versus Bo Pelini. And I was at played, that game. Well, yeah, that's a Gator Bowl in That's Jacksonville. Right. Yeah, yeah, and that was going to be the two hot coaches. <laughs> well, they got one out <laughs> of two. Right. That's not bad. Fifty percent's good. K-State football players also reported yesterday for fall camp. Of course, this will be the 
first time around for head coach Chris Kleiman. There is some returners coming back for K-State, although it's believed the cupboard is kind of empty as Bill Snyder left. But 18 starters back for the Wildcats. They have 40 letter winners. They will begin their season on August 31st against Nichols State. How's this for being tough? Hours after visiting a hospital because of a kidney stone, Vic Fangio won a football game. The new coach of the Broncos saw a late interception, set up a late touchdown pass as the Broncos rallied to beat the Falcons 14-10 to in the Hall of Fame game to open up the NFL's preseason. After the game, Scott, of the press conference, he said, there's no way I was missing this. I mean, here's a guy who's 61 years old, finally get the shot to be a head coach in the NFL, and he wasn't going to let a little, little, little kidney stone stop him. <laughs> They'd have had to cart him off the field. I, yeah, sure. I think so. And for the 10th time in 12 years, Carney Little Leaguers are Nebraska State champions. This past weekend, the team punched its ticket to Indianapolis for the Midwest Regional. This is a fourth straight year that Carney is representing Nebraska at that event, and of course, Carney won the regional back in 2012 when that bunch of kids made it all the way to Williamsport. Carney will begin pool play action tomorrow against Minnesota. That one will beginning at will begin at noon. And the former head football coach at Kansas Community College, where a defensive lineman died of a heat stroke after the first day of practice, says the death was an act of God. At this week's MIAA Media Days, New Missouri Southern head coach Jeff Sims made those comments. It came nearly one year after 19-year-old Braden Bradford collapsed following a practice at Garden City Community College. Sims went on to add, it's unfortunate what happened, but he said, God has a plan. And uh, we'll see how things go for him in Joplin. Sims is at Missouri Southern. That's who the Lopers open up against on September 5th. Could be interesting. He uh, he got a lot of exposure from Last Chance U uh, as the, the nemesis of uh, Jason Brown, the head coach for Indiana, Indy, the Indy Community College. And so... I don't know. As Sims was asked about that this week, too, and he said some of that was for the show. But uh, there's there's a lot of folks in Kansas that, that aren't sad to see uh, Coach Sims down in Missouri. All right. Very good. Thank you, Jason. Time for us to take a look at our local news going on around the area. And Brandon Bennett's in studio with that. Brandon? It is a good day for those of us that regularly make the trip on southbound I-29 to get to St. Joe, Missouri, which is where my family lives, or Kansas City points to the south from there. Highway travel restored between Interstate 29 and Missouri River near Percival in southwestern Iowa. The Iowa Department of Transportation said yesterday that a contractor has laid down a temporary pavement in flood-damaged areas westbound lanes of Iowa Highway 2. The two lanes will be divided for now, so there's going to be head-on-head traffic, eastbound and westbound traffic, sharing the same lane. Repairs will let vehicles use the bridge that connects Iowa and Nebraska and Nebraska City. And speaking of the old home in Missouri, the Missouri State Highway Patrol came in 10th in the best-looking cruiser contest in the country, but the Nebraska State Patrol came in number one. That's according to the just-finished popularity poll of the American Association of State Troopers. The picture that a state trooper cruiser on a hill with a tornado in the background, taken in Dawson County in May by Trooper Clint Zost. NSP Superintendent Colonel John Boldick says the picture was taken right after Zost had called in a tornado to emergency managers, then uh, stepped out, parked his cruiser, and happened to be in the right place at the right time. I'm a little nervous about what he's going to come up with next year, but for this year, let's celebrate the success, and this belongs to all of you for participating in the survey and voting Nebraska number one. 
It's the first time Nebraska has made the calendar, period, and then all of a sudden they went to number one. That means as the first place winner, the picture of the patrol cruiser will be on the cover of the 2020 American Association of State Troopers Cruiser calendar. That calendar sales goes to support families of state troopers across the country through their foundation. A cyber attack on a suburban Omaha school district touched off an FBI investigation and is proving to be a significant and perhaps costly inconvenience. Omaha officials told the Omaha World Herald Papillion La Vista Community School System rebuilt its services after the May cyber attack. The district replaced some desktop computers and wiped down hard drive. District ISL also has cyber attack insurance, but it'll probably still bear the burden of most of the recovery costs, if, if at least not some. And that, that sum, the amount, hasn't yet been determined. And authorities say a Nebraska Army National Guard soldier died after his motorcycle collided with a small SUV in South Lincoln. Police say the woman driving the SUV south on Wednesday night did not yield to the northbound motorcycle at an intersection. Police identified the motorcyclist as 22-year-old Kristen Geyser, who lived in Lincoln. He was an infantryman, he was an infantryman assigned to C Troop of the 1st Squadron of the 134th Cavalry. He was based out of Beatrice, so thoughts and prayers goes out to him. All right, very good. Thank you, Brandon. Thanks, sir. Every Nebraskan's favorite topic, property taxes on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. We do have a venerable guest on, though, that just recently published a paper with UNL on 2019 and the property tax issues, what's happened with Nebraska property taxes, what could be coming down the road. So we're going to dive a little deeper into that as well and get his take on it. And it is none other than Dave Aiken, Extension Ag and Water Law Specialist with UNL. And Dave, thanks for taking time today to talk with us and discuss property taxes in Nebraska as it is a, a key headline for our unicameral and has been for the last several years. First, let's just outline and get some perimeters set as well. It's well known Nebraska has high property taxes, but in your research you've compared Nebraska with other states. So where does Nebraska rank compared to the rest of the U.S. when it comes to property taxes? Well, the uh, tax foundation uh, puts us at 40 out of 50, so that means we're on the high end as far as the other states are concerned. The only production ag state that I could see uh, that was higher than Nebraska was Illinois. The lowest states are New Mexico, Indiana, Utah, Idaho, and Arizona. The highest uh, tend to be sort of the northeast New England states, uh, Connecticut, Vermont, New Jersey, New York, and Massachusetts. And in terms of our neighbors, we are, you know, we're, Nebraska's at 40, uh, Iowa is 39, Wyoming is 38, uh, South Dakota is 28, and then the two lowest are Colorado, that is 12, and Missouri, which is 7. So Missouri is in the top 10 in terms of low uh, property taxes, but uh, we are kind of on the high side in Nebraska. In your research and looking at the surrounding states and looking across the country, does Nebraska maybe take advantages then when it comes to sales tax or income tax compared to other states where maybe they relieve property taxes, but then they still work their residents, whether it becomes sales tax, income tax, or those type of taxes? Did you notice anything there? We are relatively low in terms of sales taxes. Uh, we're number nine, so we have the you know basically the ninth lowest sales tax uh, collected in in the country. And one of the reasons for that is that is that we don't tax services to any significant extent. We passed our sales and income taxes back in the 1960s, 
uh, with uh, Governor Nobby Tiemann a little bit before my time. We didn't have all the services that we have now, and so that's been a big shift. But we haven't uh, we haven't modified our property tax uh, structure since then. Otherwise, income taxes were at number 26 uh, out of 50, uh, and uh, the overall tax uh, burden in Nebraska is number 24, it's kind of in the middle on in terms of total taxes and income taxes, but we're high on property tax and low on sales tax. Dave, here's the million-dollar question. In 2019, there were several proposals that looked at trying to help reform Nebraska property taxes. Of your estimates, what were the good things about these bills, but what kept them from the finish line? We had several bills introduced that were heard early, and then the Revenue Committee, under the leadership of its chairmen from the Omaha area, developed a compromise bill from within the members of the Revenue Committee and that was LB 289, and that came out very late in the session, but they had a hearing on it, and then it got to the floor. It was going to change the school aid distribution that had the school districts all concerned because they didn't have a whole lot of time to understand what would the impact of that be on their specific budget. The bill proposed that the state would pay at least a third of the educational costs for every school kid in Nebraska across the state, every school district, which would have made more state aid would go to throughout the state as opposed to uh, mostly being in, in more of the some of the urban areas, including you know trade centers like uh, Grand Island, Kearney, and, and Hastings. So there was uncertainty about the, with the school districts. In addition, uh, they raised uh, sales taxes on some services, so everybody whose sales tax was going to go up, whether it was bottled water or veterinary care for pets or whatever, you know, they all came in and said, you know, we can't do that to us, we can't pay anymore. But that was where a lot of the revenue was coming to, to help increase the state aid to schools, which would take some of the load off the property tax. At the end, I think the, uh, they had 28 votes in support, but to beat a filibuster, they need 33 votes, and so there were five votes short on the filibuster. Dave, when there wasn't enough votes to get over the filibuster, what happened following that? A group of ag and rural senators said, fine, uh, we're overhauling the state economic development program. We're going to vote against that, and we have enough votes to defeat it. In 2020, the economic development proponents know that if they want a new program to replace the program that's going to sunset to go away, then we're going to need some help on the property tax. And I think that was a pretty hardball move to make, but it also gives creates some leverage and it enhances the prospect of getting the, the extra uh, half dozen or so votes that they need to get it over the top. I am uh, cautiously optimistic, although it's still going to be a, a tough grind from here on out. Again, we have been talking with Dave Aiken, UNL Water and Ag Law Extension Specialist, and we thank Dave for explaining to us and talking about what happened in 2019 with Nebraska property taxes and what we could potentially see in 2020. The good news is the Revenue Committee has already met with Governor Ricketts looking at those plans. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Time for us to take a look at our uh, markets and see what's going on in the stock market, I should say, in financials as uh, Trump escalated the 
trade war a little bit yesterday, and we were talking when Bob came on the air yesterday that stocks had really taken a dive. At that point, we weren't exactly sure why. Now we know, and the world knows it too, is stocks are down around the world. I've never seen it this far down as I've seen today. In the Japanese Nikkei, down over 400 points. The Hong Kong Hang Seng was down, get this, 631 points. If you've got to stock in uh, the Hang Seng, you may be in trouble today. The London FTSE was down 173, which is a lot, as that stock market doesn't move a whole lot. And the German DAX index down 380 as the trade war escalates. Here in the United States, it's not a lot better. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is down 236 points. The NASDAQ down 144, and the S&P down 33. Bob Brogan is in here with more. Well, U.S. stocks uh, falling again, joining a worldwide sell-off. Um, the financial markets continue to uh, take a little bit of a hit. Stock indexes fell from the get-go today as traders are continuing to take cover following President Trump's latest escalation in the trade war with China. The S&P 500's drop was more modest than for indexes in Europe and Asia, many of which lost more than 2%, but it adds to steeper losses from the day before when the president announced additional tariffs on Chinese imports. The re-escalation in tensions between the world's largest economies is raising worries about a global recession. The trade deficit sank, uh, shrank slightly in June, as did the politically sensitive trade deficit with China, the principal target of the tariffs. The Commerce Department says the gap between the goods and services the U.S. buys and what it sells abroad fell three-tenths of a percent to $55.2 billion in June from May. Meanwhile, employers showed their hiring, uh, slowed their hiring in July, but added a still healthy 164,000 jobs to an economy that appears poised to extend its decade-plus expansion. The Labor Department says the unemployment rate stayed at 3.7% for a straight, for a second straight month. Also, um, as we said, uh, we also learned that oil prices uh, were kind of doing some things today. And uh, so we're keeping an eye on that situation as well. Um, those are some of the stories that we're uh, keeping an eye on today. All right. Thank you so much, Bob. Yes, oil prices up a little bit, about up almost 3%, but still, at, still less than $56 a barrel. That's a look at our markets. Thanks, Bob. again this week for Big Iron Realty's Fridays in the Field and we're back in central north central Nebraska this week and getting to catch up this time with just Nathan Nathan Shear and Nathan uh, we were in front of this field the first time it looks just a little bit different things are tassling tasseling obviously uh, just give us an update on what you guys have been up to oh yeah here lately we've been uh, just starting irrigating getting over the stuff first time right now just turned the pivot on today so other than that we're just cutting hay and checking cows cutting hay checking cows you talk about that irrigating and i think just about everybody i've visited with that is starting irrigating uh it's kind of weird because it's the beginning of august um what's that been like you know what's the weather been like for you guys up to this point oh we've been receiving pretty good rainfall here 
it's been spread out five to seven days, about an inch at a time, so it's pretty perfect for corn growing. Just be nice if it'd warm up a hair. On the disease front, pest front, issues like that, any problems there? Yeah, we don't have too much with uh, pesticides this year, so we're not having to spray much. And other than that, we're three weeks behind. Uh, do you foresee any problems with the crop being a little bit behind this year and having some of those delays? Yeah, as long as we don't get an early frost, we should be in pretty good shape around here for pretty good yields. I know you grow some wheat as well. Have you had, did wheat harvest wrap up? Are you in the middle of it? Not quite done? Where are you at with your wheat? Uh, we got in pretty quick and got out pretty quick. We didn't have much, so it's all to town much to worry about there. What did the wheat crop look like this year? Uh, it's been better, but it wasn't all terrible. There was a lot that laid down with the rains, but other than that, it was pretty fair. And tell us maybe a little bit more. I know you guys uh, put up some hay, and you did mention that uh, just a little bit ago. What's that been like? What's the hay crop been like for you guys this year? Sometimes the rain can be great, and sometimes it uh, can be a detriment. Um, we've been pretty lucky putting up alfalfa, but Right now we're starting to have some problems with things drying. We've cut it three days ago and it's still the same moisture as it was when we cut it. So just waiting for it to dry out. What other things have you been up to? You did mention you have cattle. Yeah, I've just been checking cows, putting in bulls, taking out salt and mineral. Keeping busy with them. Um, as we roll into this part of the season, kind of a critical time with pollination. Um, and of course where we are behind you did mention the heat what are some of the things that you'll be up to over the next month or so before we talk to you again probably just keep putting up hay if it stays dry keep irrigating turn on more fields finish laying out pipe that's about it where you're just getting started here in August with your irrigation Kind of a silver lining to not have to worry about uh, watering all summer long. Has that been okay? Been kind of nice? It's actually kind of boring. <laughs> so, cheaper this year, irrigating about half price. All right, thanks so much. It's high schooler Nathan Shear from the St. Paul area of Nebraska for this week's Big Iron Realties Fridays in the field. Stepping up and taking on the role for both him and John. You can find all of our Fridays in the field coverage, liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter, audio and video up at RuralRadio.com. I'm Shaylee Peters, and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Dewey Nelson on the World Radio Network, and today we talk about green on the screen. We're talking about the wheat trade leading the rally today as we talk with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter, This Week in Grain. What is attributed to this rally in Chicago wheat? Well, short covering for one. I don't know, trade deal possibly with Europe could be another thing, and, um, you know, just the fact that the, the essentially the cash price for wheat we're not seeing any deliveries. The spreads are really tight. And, you know, I mean, the demand and exports have been pretty good. So uh, very promising to see the wheat market take off. We would like to see KC take off a little more. Uh, KC was only up 6 or $0.07. Cents, but corn closing on the high of the day, almost a dime off the low for a little more than a dime off the low from yesterday morning. Uh, we did get back above 4 bucks, or at least right there. So I don't, don't quote me on that on September. So uh, Sunday night's open will be interesting if we can blow through 4 
you know, maybe we quick run up to 413 again, 415. I don't know if the market has the fuel to really push, but the forecasts are dry for the center part of the country here. So uh, as we look down, uh, you know, look out for the next couple of weeks, central Illinois, eastern Iowa, uh, northern Indiana, pretty much everybody along that line are going to be hunting for rain. Uh, I think we're about 25% of as of moisture for, for a normal part of the year. Um, so, again, I know you guys are getting quite a bit out there. I imagine your yields are going to look good. Northern Iowa yields are going to look good. Minnesota yields should be pretty good. But this way, it's very, I'm very, very skeptical that uh, you know, we're going to have a crop anywhere close to where it was a year ago. Corn has more upside potential than soybeans at this point? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're so short on all this stuff. There's plenty of upside potential. Um, but, you know, $9 would be a level on the board where I think you got to start looking at pricing them. You know, carryout could be tighter than what we think. But, um, you know, it's it's one of those markets that, you know, when it gives you an opportunity, I think you got to be willing to be early and be wrong. You know, be, you might be wrong once. If we cut a trade deal or there's a weather problem, yes, it could spike. But, um, you know, the odds are here that if we get a crop, if the market sees, sees supply, we're going to be down, you know, probably filling those gaps on corn and, and uh, you know, pushing on the lows and soybeans, just given that we don't really have any place to sell them here this fall. Well, when we have a year that's, unlike any other when it came to the crops in, in this country. So you don't really have a baseline as to what to work against. No, not at all, especially when you don't know the acreage. So, so the, the report on the 12th is going to be a monster one. I think you'll see the market rally into it. Uh, to get above 425, 430, we're going to need some really bullish data. So that would be my target for old crop corn if you guys have some more around. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Have a good weekend. Remember, you can go to their website anytime, danielsagmarketing.com. This is the Rural Radio Network. Well, that's going to do it for our midday program here on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to podcasts on KRVN or the KRVN app.